This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome to PuckCast. I'm your Statsman, along with A.J. Schultz. This is uh, PuckCast with Statsman and A.J., Rotowire's hockey show. This is our uh, first regular season episode, A.J., so I'm pretty excited about it. I hope you are, too. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to have the season started. It's a, it's a long slog through the, some of those summer months waiting for hockey to come back. That's right. But here we are. The games are being played and we got stuff to talk about. So I'll remind the listeners, you can follow me at Statsman22 and AJ is at AJ Scholes 24 That's S-C-H-O-L-Z 24. I'll say Z for you today, okay? All right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're, we're, uh, AJ's proven to be a really interesting follow for me. I just started following you in the last little while, and you've got a lot going on in the hockey scene. And uh, I'm really pleased to be working with you on this podcast. We're going to have a lot of fun with it this year. Yeah, it should be a good time. I've been enjoying the preseason shows, and, and we'll get into a little more. Uh, no more game action, so we should have a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the whole season. Well, and AJ, to kick it off, we, we did the four preseason shows, and, and we projected our lineups, but now uh, that the games have started, we've seen that some, some unexpected faces are in, in strange places in the rosters, and there's some really good situations for a few players that I call the plum assignment. So uh, we're looking at a, doing a quick sweep of the teams, and we'll, we'll go through them as quickly as we can, but there's a lot of names worth noting. And uh, we'll see how far we get into this. Not a lot of detail provided because it's so early on, but it's interesting to watch such players as in Anaheim. And Nick Ritchie is playing on that first line. And, of course, anytime you get to play with Getzlaff and Perry, that's a good situation, right? Yeah, I mean, that's hard to beat, uh, you know, when you're coming into the league. Uh, he's got an assist, uh, averaging about 18-21 a night, which is pretty high for, for a forward. Uh, you know, that's a borderline defensive number, so... Yeah. <laughs> 
It's, yeah, I mean, it shows how much they're going to rely on that top line, I think, in Anaheim. It's true. And uh, so we'll go through uh, and just highlight players like that. Of course, in the preview, we did get some things right, and they're worth mentioning again. Like Christian Dvorak over in Arizona gets the second-line center role right out of junior. He, he makes it into the lineup. Uh, it's worth noting that he passed uh, Dylan Strom in the depth chart. Uh, oddly enough, Strom was drafted a year earlier, and he's younger than Dvorak. Maybe, maybe it's that maturity uh, linked to his birth certificate that got, got Dvorak the inside edge here. So that's that's one for us, AJ, in the, in the plus column. But I'm more interested to talk about what's gone on in Boston. They made a whole host of uh, changes in their training camp lineup, and they got a guy like a Danton Heinen, who made the team as a second right wing. They got Austin Zarnak, the third-line center, while Bergeron's out of lineup, although Bergeron's expected back soon. And then on defense, a couple of guys who got really good assignments. Brandon Carlo, for instance, is paired with Zdeno Chara and Ryan Rob O'Gara with T- Tori Krug on defense. That gives us team a pretty different look than we expected, A.J., yeah, and a lot of that, as you mentioned, linked to injuries. Uh, you had uh, Vetrano goes down, and I, I think that's where Heenan uh, comes in, kind of fills in there. And uh, Sarnik, he was a healthy scratch last night, but uh, was filling in for, for Bergeron a little bit while he's up. And, uh, yeah, Carlo gets, uh, gets the goal last night, uh, first, uh, first NHL goal. Yeah, so a great start for him. And, boy, he's got to be lo- loving it, looking across the ice and seeing that, uh, that uh, apartment on skates. Uh, in, in Zdeno Chara, <laughs> so that's pretty cool for him. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres are really the hard luck team in the early going, AJ. They, they've seen injuries to Evander Kane and, and Jack Eichel, and uh, that, that's good news for Sam Reinhardt. He gets to go up to the first line, and Matt Molson moves up to the second line on the left side, but boy, the Sabres are hurting as long as these guys are out, and uh, they're projected both to be long-term absences, AJ. Tough luck for the Sabres. Yeah, it's uh, not good news in Buffalo, uh, but you know, Riley, or uh, excuse me, Reinhardt, he's got two goals and two assists through through the first couple of games. Having a strong start to the sophomore year might be able to avoid that uh, that slump. And then uh, you know, Molson, as you mentioned, has a pair of goals already, uh, both coming on the power play too. And uh, he's averaging almost five minutes a night on the on the PP. So um, both guys have stepped up. Uh, we'll see if they can sustain it through a few more games, but. Uh, you know, maybe they can hold on until those, you know, Kane and Eichel get back. And then the next one where we get four stars for getting it right was Chris Versteeg on the first line in Calgary. He gets to play with the kids who are, are their future there, Monaghan and Gaudreau. Uh, and he's also on the second power play unit there. Uh, and as well, Matthew Tuchuk, another guy who made the team right out of right out of last uh, this past June's draft. He makes it as the second line left wing. So we got those right. And uh, two check marks for us in Chicago. Uh, another couple of uh, changes that uh, not a lot of people saw. Tyler Mott, he gets the great assignment, another plum assignment, to go on to Jonathan Taves' left wing. And Michael Kempney is a second-line defenseman with Brent Seabrook. He's 26 years old and played in the KHL last year before graduating to the NHL. So he's not a raw a raw professional hockey player. He's got some some uh, travel miles on him and, and uh, probably a really good get for the Hawks that was below the radar. But Mott's an interesting guy from the University of Michigan. Do you got any note, uh, more notes on him, uh, AJ? Yeah, I think the interesting thing about Mott for me is he's slowly kind of worked his way up. They, they started him closer down the third, then he was on the second. But but yeah, up on that top line. And, you know, interestingly enough, as he's gone up, Marion Hosa has gone down yeah. uh, the depth chart. So 
Marion Hosa right now looking at, at bottom six uh, bottom six minutes. Yeah, and uh, that's a bit of a surprise, but he's still a dependable two-way player. I, I think it won't be long before he gets that top six gig back. In Columbus, uh, Zach Wierenski, who was a top D-man in the draft recently, he gets the first line pairing with Seth Jones. That's where the future is in Columbus in terms of their defense. They're giving him all kinds of minutes and uh, trial by fire here. They can afford to do that because it's it's not a high-pressure pressure fan base in Columbus, so Probably a good situation for both these kids. They won't be overwhelmed, and I'll be curious to see how how quickly they develop or if they're retarded in their development. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean retarded slowed down. (laughs) 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 And uh, Sam Gagne starts at second-line center. Is this his last chance in the NHL? I'm wondering out out loud because this is a guy who had a high profile as an offensive star earlier in his career but just has not delivered the goods in the last little while. Yeah, Gagne has seen a real significant drop off, uh, just 16 points last year. And I, I think you're right. I don't see him getting back to being that that 40 point player. Um, and uh, Wierinski is kind of a, a nice sleeper pick for people looking for some some DFS value. Um, he is on the on the power play and his uh, his first NHL goal did come with the man advantage. So a nice little sleeper there uh, you might be able to get for cheap. And uh, another one we got right. I'd like to highlight a few of these as we go along, too, quickly. Uh, in Dallas, Patrick Eves is the guy, lucky guy who gets to play with Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn in that first-line situation. And they're off to a good start there. As long as they are, he's going to keep that role and uh, could be a fantasy bonanza for, for people who picked him as a sleeper. In Detroit, we saw Mike Green gets his first career hat trick. I was surprised by that because of his long tenure in Washington. But he's a defenseman. They don't score a ton of hat tricks generally. And he's partnered with Danny DeKaiser. This is a guy I'm really high on. He he signed a long-term deal with the Wings in the offseason. And I think we're going to start to see him take a big next step this season and and uh, could be a really nice value play for in season long uh in the, on the red wings situation yeah he's logging huge minutes there uh in detroit over 22 a night um and you know you mentioned a little bit of a breakout year for him his career best so far for goals is eight but he's already got one uh, and just a few first games so yeah definitely a candidate for a breakout player there yeah and uh uh, I got Clef Baum and Larson on the first line pairing in Edmonton. We picked that out of, out of camp. And uh, it's interesting to see that they put a lot of faith in, in Clef Baum and partnered him with a guy that they spent a lot to get to bring him in from New Jersey. It'll be the, the spotlights on these two guys because this team, we know they got tons of talent up front, but this defense pairing could be the key to their success, both short and long term. It's kind of interesting watching those uh, the minutes for these two guys. They both started out pretty high um in the first game around that 24 23 minute uh, night mark but uh, have kind of dropped off the last couple of games closer to 17 and i think it shows uh you know coach todd mcclellan might want to rotate that d a little bit more kind of split up the minutes a little bit uh see what he's got in some of the younger guys and uh we highlighted jonathan marches he went across state in florida to join the Panthers uh, he's on the first line on left side replacing Jonathan Huberto he expects to be there for a long while because Huberto is one of those big names uh, out, of the, out of camp who got an injury and he'll be out for months so Marchessault will be uh, a guy that they depend on for top six and right now he's getting that first line minutes I think a great pickup in, in any season long format in goal in uh, Los Angeles they had the shocking uh, incident with uh, Jonathan Quick he's out with a groin injury AJ 
long-term situation there. You know a little bit about one of the goal- goalies in that tandem now. It's Sadkoff and Bude. Can they carry this team and 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 in, be insulated on on such a, a deep lineup and a lineup that added Devin Setaguchi? I was surprised by that. PTO he signed and he made it as a second line right winger but my focus here is a net what's your reaction to this tandem yeah I don't think they're gonna win any games for you um you know Zakoff is a solid backup Budai kind of the same both just you know solid decent backups they'll they'll keep you competitive uh but it's gonna be up to their forwards uh and uh you know even their defense uh defensemen to score some goals they'll keep you in games but i don't think they're gonna win them for you yeah and uh we'll move on here just to keep it going a little bit at a good pace we got a lot of names to get through eric stall first line center again as he turned the clock back he's in minnesota off to a decent start i'm surprised that he gets this gig and this assignment right off right out of camp but uh, can, he, can, can he keep it up is my question to you. I don't think so. And I think he gets this, this job just because I think they're weak down the middle yeah. um, in Minnesota. I don't see any of these guys being top line anywhere else. And, and Stahl's really just the best available option they have. Yeah, I think Miko Koivu is another guy who is in that same boat. These guys are both 30-something centers, and, and the future is not linked to them. So they're placeholders right now. Uh, one guy, A couple of guys in Montreal who are not designated as placeholders young guys that made this team out of camp both from the uh, russia uh, arturi lakonen sorry sorry he's from finland i guess and uh, first line left wing with plakanitz and radilov and uh, uh second line i, I should say and then uh, 18 year old mikhail sergachev makes the team on on defense uh, i was surprised but i saw him in a couple of exhibitions and he showed well so uh, a big spotlight on him on the blue line there too yeah, I think he's going to, you know, he's going to log some minutes, but I could see him being a healthy scratch from time to time, still trying to get his feet under him. You know, he is just uh, just 18 years old. So um, don't be surprised, in, in my opinion, to see him uh, sit out a few games from time to time. Yeah. And another young guy who makes the grade as a first liner, we got this right out of camp, and that's Kevin Fiala in Nashville. He gets the first line uh, right wing assignment with Forsberg and Johansson. That's a really good landing spot for him. He's got all kinds of offensive skill. Another guy who fits that role but is more of a veteran type player in New Jersey has a similar situation. That's P.A. Parento. AJ, he's along with uh, Taylor Hall and Travis Zajac on what could be a pretty interesting top line there. Yeah, what an opening week for Parento. You know, all set to play alongside Tavares with the Islanders. Gets waived, <laughs> picked up by New Jersey, and now he's you know on the top line with the Devils. Has a goal and assist already. Uh, so it's probably been kind of a whirlwind week for him, but you know he's stepped up and could definitely uh, put up some good numbers this year. I think the good news is he didn't have to travel far, right? Just just yeah, across yeah, the short state, trip to, across the border. Uh, and uh, Damon Severson is worth a look on the first defense pairing along with Andy Green there. That could be a power play uh, bonus for for both guys if they maintain that that standing in that roster. The Islanders, for their part, uh, Josh Bailey is a guy that we highlighted. He gets the first line right wing assignment with Travis, Tavares and Andrew Ladd. That's another good situation there. And similar with the Rangers, Jimmy Vesey scores his first NHL goal. And he's on the second line left wing with Derek Stepan and Matt Zuccarello. What have you seen from Vesey so far that you like? Is this guy sustainable as a top six player? I don't know. I, you know, he kind of came out weak uh, in his first two games. Didn't really do a whole lot. And then, you know, he does get the, the goal last night. Uh, but it was also a blowout win. It seemed like everybody was getting goals last <laughs> night in that game. So 
you know, I want to see a little bit more against tougher competition before I really would uh, say that he's lived up to all the offseason hype. And one guy who's bounced around the Philadelphia lineup is Michael Raffle. He's played anywhere from first to fourth line minutes in his time uh, with uh, with Philadelphia. But he started out with first line minutes with Giroux and Simmons. That's a great spot for him if he can hang on to it. He had a a bit of a time with them last year, so it's not his first look. But uh, that'll be a bit of a revolving door. We might see Voracek wind up over there. So I wouldn't bank on Raffle. I wonder what what you think about that. And also in Philadelphia, the fact that prospect Ivan Provorov made it onto the second defense pairing. He's play, playing with an offensive veteran, Mark Streit. Yeah, I think Raffle is going to be uh, warming, keeping the seat warm for one more game for Braden Shen when he comes back from that suspension, uh, dating back to the, the postseason last year. And then, yeah, Ivan Provorov, definitely another guy benefiting from an injury um, on the lineup. Michael Delzato goes down. And so, yeah, good spot for Provorov. I could see Brandon Manning kind of overtaking him, um, you know, so he'll probably get shuffled around a little bit, but, you know, kudos to him for, for cracking that lineup. And uh, what about, you've got to tell me something about Scott Wilson over in Pittsburgh there. He gets the assignment to play with Evgeny Malkin and Patrick Hornquist. Yeah, I think this is another one that, that is somewhat injury related. Um, you know, Brian Rust, I think, will probably take over the spot alongside Malkin. And this really, these lines are going to shuffle around a bunch too when, when Sid comes back. So I, I could see Wilson maybe uh, knock in like a Tom Sestito off the fourth line later once Crosby and Rust are back. Um, you know, they'll, they'll put Hornquist with Crosby. Malkin played last year a lot with, uh, you know, with Kunitz and, and could play with Rust again. So it, I do think it's kind of temporary for Scott Wilson, but he did have a strong training camp. So, you know, maybe he's, he's earned... Uh, some more playtime. Well, one guy who's definitely earned the spot on the first line in San Jose is Thomas Thomas Hurdle. This guy, they've been waiting for him to break out and uh, always view him as a top prospect. Now he's getting the gig on the first line with the two big Joes there, Thornton and Pavelski. I'm all over this. I picked him up in in my season long with Rotowire in the staff league, and I'll be on him whenever I can in in the daily play. I think this is a great situation. He'll likely be undervalued for a long while before, unless he gets off to the torrid scoring streak. Uh, player to watch. We want to highlight Niall Yakupov over in St. Louis. He'll start off as a third line right wing. I'm not going to do anything uh, in terms of buying into this guy, AJ, until I see something out of him. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I would agree. He's kind of stuck uh, in that third line spot. Unfortunately, you know, behind Tarasenko and, uh, you know, I think maybe he could overcome Ty Ratty, um, but you could also see Steen has played some minutes on the wing too. So as they shuffle lines around, he may kind of be stuck in bottom six minutes. I do think it's interesting that the original uh, rumblings were a trade move to Chicago and then goes over to the rival, uh, rival blues. So you know, it could be a little bit of a sting there in the windy, windy city. Yeah, and uh, an interesting, a couple of interesting circumstances in Tampa. And the goal in the Nets, they got Brian Bishop and uh, Vasilevsky battling it out for for playing time. I think that's going to be an interesting situation because Bishop has the big contract. If they think they can ride Vasilevsky, that really frees them up and in terms of dealing with a tough salary cap situation, but you got to give, we gave uh, Steve Eisenman his props when we did the preseason preview. He, I think he gets gold stars and now we get to see how Stamkos and Drouin fit up front. I'm excited about that pairing too, uh, AJ. What do you think there? Yeah. Drouin getting a full season with him will be exciting to watch. 
another guy earned his spot during last postseason, 14 points in their 17 playoff games. And I d- highlighted this uh, goalie tandem as, as potential trade bait later in the season. Um, I still think they'll, they'll ship out one of these guys. If they can get somebody to take on the contract, I think Bishop's a better option to get rid of. I think Vassal's kind of the goalie of the future. Um, but they may have to get rid of Vassal just because, you know, he's easier to sell with, with less of a contract burden. Yeah, well, either way, they got to make a move there, you got to think. But, uh, hey, my focus uh, a little bit later on in the show will be on the Maple Leafs. I was excited to be there Saturday night celebrating the 100th anniversary of, of uh, my favorite team. And I wonder how long it's going to be before their kid line with Austin Matthews, Zach Hyman, and, and William Nylander gets first-line minutes. They started out with third-line minutes in Game 1. They played a little more in Game 2. And uh, I think that all three kids are going to have a great year. And uh, back on the blue line, Nikita Zaitsev looks like a top four defenseman right out of the chute. He's paired with a very responsible Matt Hunwick. I think things are looking up for my Maple Leafs and uh, wonder what your impressions are of the three kids on that line. Well, real disappointing second game for Matthews. No (laughs) goals. Uh, You know, I was I was waiting for the hat trick. Um, No, but in all all honesty, watching that opener, more than anything got me excited about about usa hockey down the road i think matthews is going to be a great addition to to team usa as we move forward um and then yeah you you mentioned zaitsev uh definitely benefiting from his role on the power play i do think the the lines and pairings are still a little bit fluid um but so far he's looked as as good as you promised me he would be that's it i don't lie to my buddy here come on <laughs> and uh in vancouver the big story that we highlighted out of camp is the one that remains uh untold and that's ryan miller and and jacob markstrom in goal these guys are going to face a lot of rubber this year i think there's going to be a changing of the guard and nets we'll jump them and talk about what's happened in washington this is why i let backstrom go in my in my season-long pool, I didn't think he was going to get the number one uh, role over Kuznetsov. And in fact, Kuznetsov gets that great assignment as OV's center. That's enough to dampen Backstrom's value a little bit in my book. But uh, do you see him getting that job back at any point in the season, AJ? I think it's going to depend on how OV responds. So far, no goals, but it, uh, no points, actually. It's only been two games, yeah. so I wouldn't be too concerned. But if that drags on a little bit, you have to imagine that they're going to give him Backstrom back. Yeah, I think that's a wise a wise thing and a lucky thing for Washington. That's a pretty good one-two punch at center. Uh, finally, with Winnipeg, Patrick Laine, who uh, start, was mouthing off a little bit about how he was the best player in the draft. He did score his first NHL goal. And he gets first-line minutes with Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler, insulated by those two veterans. That's a big, big line in terms of player size. This kid is going to be the real deal, I think, offensively, too. I like his makeup. I like the confidence. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see because he really offers a, a, a diversity from Austin Matthews in terms of the, the mental makeup and, and uh, his, his verbos- verbosity, I guess is how I can say it. <laughs> then a couple other guys, uh, Josh Morrissey makes the first line defense pairing with Dustin Bufflin. That's kind of the situation, the same as, as the fellow that's playing with Chara. That's a nice way to be insulated. So what's your impressions on the, on the Winnipeg uh, twosome that I named there? Yeah, I actually, uh, for all his uh, bluster of being the best player in the draft, I'm not even sure Lane's going to be the best rookie on this team. Um, I do expect big things from him, but I really like Kyle Connor playing on the third line right now. Um, But I I threw this out there on on Twitter the other day, kind of a a bold prediction, but I think Kyle Connor will outperform Patrick Lane this year. 
Uh, like I said, it's a it's a bold prediction, but you know, got to be bold once in a while. Hey, that's why you're here on the podcast, man. We we <laughs> got to be bold on the podcast. We we always will uh, take a look at the injury list on a go forward basis. AJ, just to highlight who are who's out of the lineup. We already talked about a couple of guys on on this list, so I'll skip them. Uh, but but we have to talk about uh, a guy like uh, Cody Eakin in Dallas. This guy last year he got first line minutes with with. Uh, Sagan and Ben and this year it's not starting off that well he's out until early November is this a guy that you would grab and stash just because he might get those first line minutes again uh I mean that's that's hard to say I I don't think so I think I would look for something else until he can get back um I know the the uh the stars did they they took uh Lori Corpus uh yeah yep thank you (laughs) (laughs) they uh they Signed him, off of, <laughs> <laughs> signed him off the PTO uh, to get him, you know, get some extra depth, which, you know, concerns me about the length of Egan's injury. Uh, so I don't know that I would uh, use up the roster spot long term. True. That's probably a wise move. In Detroit, Thomas Yerko was one of a host of guys that read the jump from Grand Rapids in the last couple of years. But right now he's he's made the jump to the injury list. And uh, he's got a back injury. That's something that a lot of Red Wings guys have had, uh, beginning with the Moose there. And so he's uh, scheduled to be back in mid-November. The back injuries make me nervous, AJ. What do you think about this guy's profile in that circumstance? Yeah, I mean, as uh, you know, we've talked about some of these longer-term injuries that are kind of hard to diagnose. And it, it's definitely a, a major concern. Um, they did put him on, on long-term IR before the roster deadline, so that's obviously concerning as well. Um, so, I, again, this is another player. I don't think he's done enough where I'm stashing him away, but I would keep an eye out for him when he is healthy and try and pick him off the waiver wire. Exactly, and uh, we can jump a few. We can talk about Nick Bugstad. This is a guy in Florida who has a hand injury. He's out till early November. I like this guy's makeup. He's got great size and good hands. This is a guy that I would like to see in the top six role in Florida when he gets back and healthy, and I'd be all over him as soon as he gets back in the lineup, AJ. Uh, Absolutely. Um, if you're, you know, if any of our listeners out there are looking for somebody on Florida to maybe sub in for him in the meantime, I think Vincent Trocek is going to be yeah. uh, kind of that go-to, going to pick up Bukestad's minutes. Well, I don't think he'll be the same player, um, but he might be able to hold you over until Bukestad gets back. Yeah, Trocek is another guy that's just about the same profile. So they got a wealth of riches in the middle of the ice. But uh, I, I think Bukestad could be converted even to the wing. Uh, I like Trocek in the middle. I just want to see Bukestad get that top six opportunity, no matter where it is along those front two lines. Uh, Michael Delzato, this guy's an enigmatic choice every year for me. Uh, he finds his way on the injury list early on. He has all that offensive promise. Is it worth holding out hope that this guy can come back healthy for a stretch in, in early November? I don't think so. I, you know, the injury bug has just bit him often and, and frequently. And, yeah, I think you're better off going with, uh, you know, a Brandon Manning from this team, um, somebody who has the ability to score from the blue line, and I, I just the injury concerns are, are just piling up for Delzato. And uh, like you said, and, and like you hoped, uh, over in Pittsburgh, Mark Andre Fleury's taking the ball and run with it uh, out of the gate, making me think that Matt Murray might be second best, even though he he did take this team to the promised land. What's going to happen when he comes back, AJ? Well, I think they might go to a full full on split. Um, that means Mike Condon will 
probably be uh, on on waivers again uh, unless they want to go three three deep. They did that a little bit last year with Zakoff. They kept all three on uh, you know on the twenty three man roster, um, but I think they'll split it up. You know, there have been some concerns in the past that Flurry, while he's a workhorse during the season, has faded in the postseason just because you know he's too tired, too beat up from the season. So if they do a full split, maybe that keeps you know Flurry. Uh, more rested for the postseason he can have another strong run that's right and the next guy on our list is Jaden Schwartz I just saw a note on Rotowire that he is uh, coming off the IR with that elbow injury and may even play tonight so that's great news for St. Louis and for for people who want to see this guy in the lineup he's an offensive whiz and and easily a top six guy on that forward compliment it's a deep offensive in St. Louis but he gets the gig right away doesn't he AJ Oh, yeah, absolutely. He'll be right up there with Steen and, and Tarasenko right away. And, uh, you know, for, for fantasy, uh, daily fantasy players out there, might want to pick up uh, any one of those guys when, when he does get confirmed back, just because Schwartz will make Steen and Tarasenko better. They'll make him better. Um, you know, if you have Fabry, you might take a little bit of a hit as he kind of gets pushed down to the second line. But um, yeah, he's right back on that top line. And veterans, to round it out, uh, Ryan Callahan in Tampa with a hip injury. He's out till mid-November. And Brian Little in Winnipeg with a lower body. He's out indefinitely. These are guys to keep your, uh, keep your eye on because they're both uh, top six guys that should make it back into their roles. They, they won't lose their, their jobs uh, just because they went on the injury list, but they could be gone for a while. So keep an eye on the uh, wire and uh, use Rotowire, a great resource. We want to get into some of the tactics that we want to, to encourage you to use uh, in your fantasy games, whether they're daily and, and season-long formats. Some great tools to use are found right on the Rotowire website, in fact, beyond just the lineup optimizer, which is the greatest fantasy, fantasy tool that's out there in all sports. We have it, and, and it's a great resource if you're on, looking for a quick fix to hit the lineups. Uh, this is a great place to start. Get the optimizer. It tells you, based on all of the stats that are fed into our computers, that's the best way to go for if you're looking for the quick thing. We also offer the starting goalie grid where we can confirm starters for each game. AJ, I know you do a lot of work in this area. Uh, you can talk about some of, some of the aspects that you'll be looking at. Like when there's a two-goalie system like uh, Niemi and Lettinen, you want to go here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that starting goalie grid is a, is a must-check before, uh, before your daily lineups or, or even your season-long lineups are, are due in that day. Or even that week, it'll show you, um, you know, our expected goalie goalie uh, tandems for for the week and how we expect that to play out. And then every day we confirm those those starters. Uh, so a great, you know, a must stop in, in my opinion before uh, confirming any lineup. And we have our injury update page to help you see which players are projected to return and stay up for up to date on the latest injury news. All we have a crew of guys that keep that going uh, all over Twitter and all over the connections with different sports uh, different teams to get the most recent news and uh, AJ and I are both a part of that mix uh, of course we also do weekly rankings which are updated every Friday during the season for the upcoming Monday to Saturday that's a user, useful resource too isn't it AJ yeah I really like the weekly rankings page um, it you know it shows you how many games uh, all the guys have for that week uh, so you can get a you know good idea uh, for example it's got Evgeny Malkin ranked at number two right now behind Connor McDavid, but you might take Malkin over McDavid if if you were lucky enough to get both, just because Malkin's got four games this week to McDavid's three. Um, so just a great resource there. You know, shows what their stats have been for the season, shows if there's any sort of injury status for. It. So another good kind of one-stop shop 
uh, for looking at players. And I know uh, we both feel pretty good about the FanDuel Value Plays of the Week article, which is, in our opinion, a must-read before constructing your lineup. So with that, let's swing into the uh, the fantasy uh tip of the hat that we do on a weekly basis to FanDuel. AJ, you got to know that I'm on a personal high coming out of week six of the NFL and also enjoy playing FanDuel. So let's remind our listeners to pay attention to their great lineup of fantasy football options. Fantasy football fans have all the victory every Sunday at FanDuel. Fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests starting every week. No busted seasons. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. New this year, there's an upgraded experience. Get even more content variety. Try beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head contest. Try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for as low as a dollar where you have choices for every budget with FanDuel. You know, uh, like I said, I was I was conflicted in our staff Vegas League this past week where my opponent had Cowboys quarterback Prescott and their running back Elliott in the lineup they went head to head against two of my key guys in Packers quarterback Rodgers and running back Lacey as part of our respective lineups and as we saw the Cowboys rolled over the Packers and I love that even though it will it it did cost me the win in the end is it wrong to feel this way I mean I let my heart get in the way of my head this time around no, I, I think uh, I think it's the way to go. I heard once, you know, you should draft guys you like. I think it makes it easier when uh, you know when you lose if you've got guys that you like on your team, and even happier when you win. So, um, you know, those conflicts come come around all the time. I'm also a Zeke Elliott owner, uh, so did well for me in one aspect, but uh, took down my Packers as well. So. Uh, yeah, definitely conflicted this this week as well. Oh, I didn't know that you were a Packers fan. I should have had more fun with this segment than, than I lined up. <laughs> <laughs> the Steelers, for their part, also laid an unprecedented, unexpected egg against Miami. Big Ben goes down, and I can't believe they're talking. This guy had a surgery, and he's going to come back next week. You really got to keep an eye on that injury situation. But your thoughts on the Steelers, and uh, where do they go from here? Yeah, I think the Steelers lost this game more than Miami won it. Um, I I think they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit, Um, you know, and for as as often as Roethlisberger seems to get hurt, he comes back amazingly quick. He's surprisingly durable for an off injured guy. Um, So, yeah, maybe misses a week, maybe two. um, But, you know, I think he can bounce back. Um, and the team is built in such a way that I think they'll be fine until he's uh, until he's back. Now, uh, I'm going to say this about Colin Kaepernick. I applaud him for the stance that he took uh, that got him much attention, not related to football, but the way he dealt with the playing of the national anthem to make a statement. I applaud that. But boy, did this guy lay a big egg in his first start. What's his fantasy outlook on the field, AJ, going forward? Yeah, I'm not sold on Kaepernick on the field. Um, I, I'm, I'll admit I never really have been. Uh, I, you know, and he's playing for an, the next contract. I don't think he's the long-term answer there in San Francisco. And for a guy that is playing for that that next deal, that that next home, he definitely did not make an impression. Well, you want to keep an eye on uh, FanDuel and uh, the games that they offer to pick players that you like f- for every week. We highlight them in our daily fantasy. Uh, 
sports podcasts from that we tweet out on Monday to Friday. Make sure you listen to them, folks, because there's a lot of good information, and, and we have a pretty good team. I'm part of it. Uh, three days out of the five, uh, coming up with with the best recommendations on FanDuel. We invite people to play in the Rotowire Championship by going to FanDuel.com/slash/Rotowire-Championship. Have all the fantasy football has to offer. FanDuel, be sports rich. There's a special offer right now for new users. Get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. And that's great. That's over $40 in value for just $10. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. All right, we're going to have a little fun with the next segment, AJ, where we put our money where our mouth is, and we're going to build our FanDuel lineups based on Tuesday's slate of, I think it's 12 or 13 games, so lots of players to choose from. Why don't you roll out your uh, centers and give a, give a quick capsule on both? So, yeah, I'm going with, uh, with Connor McDavid, uh, high price, uh, 8600 but I think he's going to be worth it. He's got uh, you know six points already, two, uh, two on the power play. So I, th- I think he is worth the, the cost there. And then uh, I will actually go with Evgeny Kuznetsov. I know I mentioned that I, I don't see him sticking there long term. Um, but for now, uh, at 6,100 to get uh, Ovechkin center, pretty good value there as well. All right. Well, I'm going to go with uh, Ryan Johansson at $6,500 and Tyler Johnson at $6,300. Johansson is a guy who has a... Uh, a new lease on life as a first-line center in a, on a really talent-laden team in Nashville. He's going to get first-line minutes tonight and power play time with a pretty good uh, pairing on his wings. I like that situation. And, of course, Tyler Johnson is uh, a year removed from being one of the leading scorers in the NHL, and his, uh, his uh, prospects for a repeat are, are not really there because he's not even the first-liner in Tampa. But don't sleep on this guy. He's going to get first uh, uh, first line minutes on the power play and he's got reliable line mates that make this kind of a 1a forward unit uh, that he's playing on in tampa this is a deep team and uh, you don't want to forget about tyler johnson at 63 $6, that's quite a discount on the wings we get to pick four players aj who are your four guys all right so uh, what i did was I, I shelled out big for for one guy and then tried to find uh, some value picks some good matchups later so start out with joe pavelski 7500 Again, kind of pricey, but he plays a lot of minutes, both uh, even strength and the power play. Uh, and then, and for my value picks, uh, we highlighted March Assault getting a, a top line player at 4,600. Just a fantastic deal. Uh, took a little bit of a flyer here on uh, Pule Jarvie with Edmonton. Uh, I like the matchup. I'm, I'm not sold on on Cam Ward really in in Carolina. Um, I think they could uh, put some goals in on him. And then uh, my other value pick here is Tyler Ennis at 4,800. And I, again, another matchup I like. Uh, Calgary has just been shelled so far this year. Um, so I, I look at Buffalo to maybe put some goals in uh, on Calgary. You know what I did here? I just started throwing names that I liked. And then uh, my first go around and putting the roster together, and I was about $3,000 over the cap. So I had to go back in the winger spots and find some better value options. I spent in the same range for all four of them. I found them between 5,900 and 6,400. I started with Artemi Panarin against the Flyers tonight. I think this is a battle of a team that's responsible all over the ice against a team that is not. And, and the team that is responsible 
responsible is at home ice. That gives him another edge. So I picked two guys from the Hawks in this quartet. Panarin at $6,400 will get power play time, but so will Marion Hossa at $5,900. This is a guy who will also play on the shorthanded side of the puck, and uh, I think special teams will be a big factor. They usually are when the Flyers come calling in any arena. So uh, that's a couple of things that I looked at here. Uh, I, of course, uh, there are a couple of guys that are w- uh, dealing with additional motivation, I'll call it. Taylor Hall in New Jersey, he's a guy who gets first-line minutes with, with New Jersey Devils and gives their offense a bit of a different look and a bit of a higher profile. And for $6,000, I'm all over that. This guy is one of the top left-wingers in the game. Let's not forget about him just because he's in, uh, he's in a defensive scheme in New Jersey. He won't be asked to play too much defense. He'll do what he does, and that's score. And he'll get a good chance tonight against Anaheim, I think. And then Milan Lucic must think he's died and gone to heaven because he not only <laughs> landed the big contract, AJ, and uh, he's worth 5900 bucks tonight. He played with, plays with that kid, Connor, uh, Connor, what's his name? Connor McNavid, I think <laughs> it is. And so he'll get power play time and be in front of the net. And this is a Cal- Carolina team on the road that uh, is not that great defensively. I think this is a, a time for Lucic to shine, and, and at that price, I'm all over it. Your defensive tandem. Yeah, so I did another high-low here. Um, as you can see, a little bit of a strategy for me. So I, I started off by picking up P.K. Subban, 6800 um, Again, somewhat expensive uh, on that end, but he's, he's a stud. He plays a ton of minutes on, on the power play, and the goalie situation in, in Dallas is, uh, you know, something something he could capitalize on let's put it that way um and then I, when i went to go find my my value pick on d i was shocked to find ristolainen all the way down at 4600 um he's got you know four uh four assists already three of which have come on the power play he's averaging 25 minutes a night right now um i'm it boggles my mind that this guy's that far down maybe you know FanDuel was concerned about the the holdout in the long-term contract situation so they have them a little underpriced in my opinion uh so a great value pick yeah i think anytime that you can get a first line defenseman for in that range you do so and in fact both my guys come in that range as well i took nick letty of the islanders at forty seven hundred dollars he's going to get first line minutes a great playmaker and a good power play quarterback there that's one thing the islanders still have is a good power good looking power play unit letty will be a big part of that tonight against san jose at home and aaron ekblad this is a guy who's coming into his own he's got a similar profile as ristolainen in my opinion one of the guys that's a young stud on the blue line destined for a great future and a great career and a great season this year and i think at five thousand bucks a good value play tonight in a rivalry game against the tampa bay lightning finally our goalies to round out the the lineups today yeah so this is one where i will be constantly checking the the rotary wire starting goalie uh, grid i i went discounted here so i could go spend a little bit more in the other spots i'm going with mike condon tonight i like the matchup against montreal um, I think he can can hold his own. I think he's going to be motivated to hold his own against his old team uh, that let him go on waivers. But there's always the concern that he doesn't start. It is the second half of a back-to-back, so it's likely that he'll start. But I will be constantly checking the goalie grid and making sure that they've confirmed him and he's good to go tonight. Well, I'm banking on an Edmonton win straight up, and that's why I picked Cam Talbot. I highlighted this matchup with a couple of my picks uh, in the, in my lineup today at 8700 bucks. He hasn't had the big stats yet, but this is a great opportunity. I think Edmonton, there's been a little controversy around this team for a poor effort. They're, generally, a team will respond after a poor effort to, to rebound a bit, and I think they're, they're going to rally around their young captain who came under fire for not really defending the team uh, against a, a bag skate on the weekend, I guess you can 
can call it, following that debacle. So uh, I think the Oilers rally around McDavid and they deliver the goods and Cam Talbot stands to benefit, get the W tonight. Uh, with that, let's take a look at some of the guys who were hot this week out of the shoot. We talked about a couple of them. Certainly Austin Matthews with a four-goal debut was sensational. I got to see uh, the next guy on the list is Brad Marchand. What do you think about this guy? He's got five points in his first game without Patrice Bergeron. He, in fact, leads the NHL with seven points. He really started off the season well because I think he benefited from the World Cup experience and he hit the ice running in when the regular season started. I would agree. I think, uh, you know, that uh, getting, you know, being at kind of game competition uh, readiness uh, to start the season. And if this is how good he's going to play without, uh, you know, without his uh, his buddy there, I think, uh, you know, once Bergeron comes back, I could see Marchand, you know, could get even better, which sounds, uh, you know, <laughs> sounds strange, um, <laughs> you know, for a guy that's leading the NHL in points right now. But uh, it, I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, well, we can rule out the fact that he'll be a leading scorer in the NHL, but I think he'll be up there. He got 37 goals last year. I had him in my Rotowire uh, season-long league, and I won that in a, in a cakewalk. I'm, I'm still gloating over that one last year. <laughs> <laughs> and my team's 2-0 and so far this year, so uh, the champ is back, and he's on the run, folks. And uh, Leon Dreisaitl's the next guy on my list that I want to highlight. Uh, everybody's talking about uh, that Connor guy, but uh, Dreisaitl, five points in three games, don't sleep on him. This guy has got all the skills, all the size that McDavid has to, pretty much, and, and uh, is probably going to be better known as Connor McDavid Light, in my opinion. So uh, a guy that, that is f- full value for his start. I think they got a really good one-two punch at center, and uh, look forward to that continuing. But i got to give you props for picking this. Jonathan Marchesol out of Flo- in the Florida circumstance. I'll let you run with this one a, a little bit, A.J., yeah, I, I admittedly did not uh, did not necessarily see this coming, uh, you know, especially, you know, he's probably going to be second, maybe even third uh, with when Huberto was healthy. Uh, but he's really capitalized on those those that first line opportunity. Um, and, you know, he'll he'll probably get bumped down, but maybe this puts him on the second line ahead of UC Jokinen um, if Huberto uh you know, returns uh, later in the season. Now, you're being modest. I could swear that I thought you said that this guy was going to be a stud this year. <laughs> well, uh, another guy who fits the role is Richard Panic in Chicago. He came out of nowhere to land that first-line role, and, and look what he's done. Four goals and one assist in three games for the Hawks. I know he had flashes of this last year as well. Is this sustainable over a whole season for him, do you think? Uh, you know, I'm so torn on him. He He seems to get hot and cold periodically, and, you know, they're, they're moving things around a lot. Uh, their coach, coach Quinville seems to be kind of shuffling it around, still trying to figure out who goes where, um, and how they fit together. So I'm, I'm not certain it's sustainable just from that standpoint, but if he gets that firm top line commitment, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely possible for him to, to exceed his, his total from last year. And the one other guy I wanted to highlight among the skaters was Rasmus Ristolainen, but you, Ristolainen, but you gave a great profile hint on him. He's the quor- new quarterback on the power play in Buffalo, going to get those big minutes like you highlighted, four assists in two games played. I think this guy's going to threaten the 50-point mark. So let's turn our attention in goal to three guys who uh, the spotlight will be on early on, and, and to a certain extent, they're all delivering so far. In Ottawa, I, I got to say straight up, I was surprised that Greg Anderson gets the goalie nod over a couple of younger guys who were chomping at his heels. Do you think he can hang on to this role, AJ? 
I, I don't. And, and the only reason I, I don't think that is, even though he's gotten the two wins, the, the save percentage is only 0.887. So it's, you know, he hasn't been great. Um, I think his teammates have bailed him out a little bit in some of these games. Uh, but I also don't know that Hammond is the answer either. Um, so he might hang on to it solely because, you know, Hammond can't overtake him. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very good assessment. Uh, uh, of course, a guy that I'm hoping for big things is Frederick Anderson. He played great on Saturday after wetting the bed on uh, in the season opener. He didn't look very good in Ottawa, but he did look a lot better against the Bruins. That's more of what they expect from from him in goal. If he can deliver like that, and this guy has a tremendous win percentage. You look at what he did in Anaheim. I mean, that we're, he's not playing behind the Anaheim Ducks. Let's make that point very clear. But if he can approach that level that he delivered while he was a goalie there. This could be pretty good news for the Leafs. Yeah, probably just had to shake off some nerves. As you mentioned, there was a lot going on that that opening night there. Um, You know, could have thrown off his routine a little bit. So, uh, you know, appears to have shaken it off. Hopefully he can, can keep that going. Uh, for for your sake yeah uh, i'll wear you out if he does man (laughs) (laughs) and what about mike smith this is a guy i was high on out of camp i thought if he could stay healthy this could be one of the big reasons why the arizona coyotes could be the surprise team in the western conference i know you don't share that opinion but uh you've seen him play once what do you think yeah still not not sold on (laughs) on either goaltender there um you know the the goals against uh, was still, you know, 2.86 uh, after, you know, allowing three in and, and getting, you know, um, taken out there a little bit for the for the empty netter, I believe. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not totally sold on him yet. Uh, hopefully, you know, we'll see. Maybe he proves me wrong. But uh, I think this is a team that will be in the market for, for a netminder later in the there, season. There you go. So you can expect these features on a go-forward basis. We're trying to bring you who's hot and who's not, who's hurt and who's playing with who. The surprises that we, we highlighted uh, early on in the episode are key in terms of fantasy success as well as the resources that we highlighted as well. But we want to wind it up with our signature spots, the stud of the week and the rant of the week. For podcast, I'm going to start off with a stud of the week. As I said, I was there at the Air Canada Centre on Saturday night. My stud of the week goes to Brendan Shanahan for the Open End Night in Toronto. It was a spectacle that exceeded all of my wildest expectations as a longtime Leaf fan. They were celebrating their 100th anniversary. They decided in a massive change in culture. AJ, heretofore they they only on uh, they only retired two jerseys because of tragic circumstances. They honored another 14, I believe. What they announced on that opening night was not only were they going to honor those, but they also mended fences with Dave Keon, who was voted the best player in in the history of the club. And Keon was on hand, ending an acrimonious 23 years where he and the various front offices of the Leafs didn't get along just because of the way they treated the retired and honored jerseys. Finally, they get this right. The culture is changing in Toronto, and a corner has been turned, not just on the ice, but off it as well. This is a fine way to start the season, and they they get full marks for me with a return to first-class style points. Yeah, I I saw in there when they released that uh, that top 100, uh, my guy Phil the Thrill Kessel got 48th. So nice to see that, too. They could have easily, uh, you know, uh, after his departure and all the hard feelings there as well they could have easily you know put him either off the list or significantly further down 
Um, so I, I would agree. I think uh, there's definitely seems to be a change in culture, and it's it's a good uh, sign of good things to come. I hope so, and the sooner the better for me. Uh, the rant of the week, we touched on this when we previewed uh, the, the divisions and the conferences early on, and the fact that there's a 31st team in the uh, on the horizon in Las Vegas. I don't like the idea of a 31-team league. That's an odd number. I think if they get to 32, it's great symmetry in terms of playoff formatting, balanced schedule, and all that good stuff. And they can, might even revise the divisions, too. they got to get that 32nd team in there. Gary Batman though, is part of my, the subject of my rant of the week because he's not in a hurry to do this. And, and he should be because they need to get it balanced. And there are viable cities that are chomping at the bit to get back in or get in and get the opportunity. And at the head of the list for me is Quebec. This is a franchise that's got a beautiful new building. They've got a rabid fan base, as I've said before. They will sell this place out repeatedly. And they've got a good corporate base of support as well. There's just no reason other than an anti-Canadian bias. I'm going to put it out there. Gary Bettman is not well liked in this in the country north of the border because of the fact that he's been sleeping on on getting another Canadian team in there. And that would be another aspect of the symmetry. We've only got seven Canadian teams. We've got 24 American-based teams. It would be 24 and 8. I like that. Three quarters to one quarter. It's a good mix, and it's good balance. It makes total sense. Get it done. Your opinions, AJ. Couldn't agree with you more here, Paul. Uh, the, I don't even like the fact that they have the unbalanced conferences right now where, or divisions, excuse me, where in the Eastern conference, you've got eight teams in both the divisions. And then in the Western conference, you've got seven. Uh, so that already bothers me. The fact that it's, uh, weirdly split like that. Quebec does seem like a great place to go. They've got the, you know, as you mentioned, they've got the stadium, they've got a name if they want to go back to the Nordiques. Um, but you know, as far as I'm concerned, just pick anywhere somewhere that has fans that want to watch the team, um, you know, just pick somewhere and go with it. And while the options are still open, I will make another pitch to bring back the Hartford Whalers. <laughs> Beautiful call. That's a fine way to end it. But I, I, I'm really ticked off with myself that I only found out during the episode that you're a Packers fan. I'd have ridden you like a donkey all week long if I'd known. <laughs> That's going to do it for us on this week's show. Remember to follow AJ at AJ Scholes 24 and you can follow me Paul Bruno at Statsman22 and we ask you to look out for our hockey pod every week so that you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy leagues daily and season long contests so long everybody this is the story of Harry's For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.